Hello, everybody. It's great to see you this afternoon. Now, I'm going to try and speak much slower than I normally do. I'm going to try and speak at a pace that a normal human would speak at, because uh, we're experimenting with a new translation app today. And as I was sat next to our uh, Spanish-speaking friends um, just now, looking at the app, are saying, how's Emily doing? And they were saying, muy rápido, too fast. So I'm going to try and speak at a, at, a, at a pace that can be translated, which is going to be very challenging for me, because I also speak muy rápido. Um, so I'm really, really chuffed to see you all this afternoon. This afternoon, we're going to be starting a new little series, three-part series, that I've been wanting to do for a good year. It's been kind of in the calendar for a while, and I've been really, really excited about it. Uh, the series is called Living As If, and we're going to take the next three Sundays to unpack three kind of mindsets and behaviors that I think the Bible leads us into, uh, that we, if we identify as followers of Jesus, ways that we're meant to live as if something is true in our day-to-day -day lives. Now, that might not mean anything to you right now, but I'm hoping that by the end of November, that concept, that's really helpful. <laughs> please, please keep doing that. It's slower than this. Okay. I'm hoping that that concept will be a lot more familiar to all of us. So, Let's jump straight in. Um, I've been thinking a little bit recently about endings, particularly the endings of films. Now, I love films. I'm a little bit of an amateur film enthusiast. My favorite director is Christopher Nolan. Any Chris Nolan fans? Yes. Um, and can I just get a moment of appreciation for the end of Inception? Like, the ending of Inception. Fan no, what do you mean thumbs down? The spinning top, and it wobbles, and you go, what is it? Now, did anybody see Tenet? Yes. I, I didn't get it. I tried. I didn't get Tenet. I tried my hardest. Um, let's hear from you, some of you guys. Favorite movies and, and the way that they end? What's your favorite movie? Need for Speed. Which one? 1 to 16. There's only one Need for Speed. That's a bit of an aficionado over there. Okay, other films? Toy Story 3, they're holding hands into the incinerator. Boom! Anybody else? What about time? Oh, about time, yeah. Where they go running on the beach. Have you seen that? Oh. So, some films, really poignant, thought-provoking endings. Other films, really, like, emotional uh, endings. I was thinking about, like, like the railway children. Anybody remember that? The ending of The Railway Children. Oh, that is that's an emotional, emotional ending. Um, now, who here loves an end-of-the-world movie? Ah, you see, I had assumed that we would all be on board with this, and when I did this to Emily yesterday, Emily was like, the room is not going to be with you on this one. <laughs> so, um, I love end-of-the-world movies, and everything I've written for the next five bullet points is going to be difficult. Um, so I'm slightly fascinated with them, and I kind of assumed that all of you guys would be too. Um, there's clearly big money in it, though, so you guys are wrong, um, because Hollywood keeps making end-of-the-world apocalyptic movies. We seem to glean some kind of pleasure from watching everything that we've built being smashed up. Um, so we're going to play a really quick game, which is apparently not going to work as well as I thought it would. I want you to get into the four sections that you were in for Chinese Laundry earlier on, or Go Fetch, and I want you to just tell me which 
disaster movie do you think is the most accurate? Which disaster movie do you think has got it the nearest to being correct of how you think the world might end? So it could be an alien invasion, it could be a meteorite hitting the earth, it could be environmental disaster. You've got 30 seconds. Talk with the people around you and I want to hear. Okay, I want to hear from you. So, try and reach a consensus in your little groups. I want to hear what you have to say. Hey? No consensus. Okay, well, we can, we can have a variety of opinions. Go on, let's take a smattering of the room. Contagion. Contagion. Oh, anybody else get that one? Would... Same, same one, contagion. Yeah, I mean, we've all got, you know, recent experience of that. Don't look up. Don't look up. Who saw Don't Look Up? Yes. Put it on your to-do list to watch Don't Look Up. That film is awesome. Anybody else going for the back? Day after tomorrow. Yeah, the day after tomorrow. Yeah, that's a big one. Deep Impact. Yes, very good. I did wonder if anybody would hark back to the, the what is it, were they oil riggers going to a meteorite to explode it? There's no way that got through the translation app. Um, Interstellar. Yes I, yes, I suppose you're right, yeah. Very good. Waterworld? No, no. We draw the line at Waterworld. Anyway, 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 anyway. So, it turns out we're actually not the first or only generation to be slightly interested or obsessed with the end of the world. Um, in fact, people were talking about and thinking about the end of the world when Jesus was walking around as well. And Jesus actually spoke directly to this on a couple of occasions. And the church, historically, for the 2,000 years that it's existed, has been pretty fascinated with this question and the things that Jesus said about it. As we go and read our Bibles, we have this picture painted to us about how the world will apparently end, namely that Jesus is going to come back. We read about him coming back one day, bringing with him a new heavens and a new earth. And I don't know how familiar that concept is for you, um, but I'm just going to read the passage in the last book of the Bible called the Revelation, which where it kind of gets kind of said really succinctly, because I think it's one of the most important bits of our Bible to have lodged in our minds and our hearts. So I'm going to read this, and it's up on the screen as well. It says this, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. There you go. I mean, it's a hugely rich piece of Bible. I could unpack that for days. I won't. But just to give you the idea that that's the picture that's painted for us in the Bible, that Jesus will one day return and he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And this core belief 
uh, is kind of infused throughout what Jesus and his followers uh, wrote about uh, and said in the Bible as well. Now, I thought it'd be fun to get some of you guys to help me with this, because what I want to do is I want to paint a picture of the kind of expectation that we're, we're kind of led into when we read about the end of the world in the Bible. Now, if you look in front of you, in some of the little nooks, the little Bible nooks, there might be some little slips of paper. There's five slips of paper. If you can see one, would you wave it at me? Yes, there's a couple have been found. If you're feeling confident, would you come up the front if you've got a piece of paper? If you don't want to do it, then just give it to somebody else who would like to read it. Come up the front and we're going to read them out. Well done, Claire. You've been, you've been uh, nominated. Very good. So there should be one more, I think probably over there somewhere. Do have a look. Ah, we've got one, two, three, four, five. Fantastic. Now, there should be a little number on there as well. Have you got yourselves in the correct order? Look at that. Okay, come up here, and then you can read out your little, your little bit. So as these guys are reading them out to us, I want you to just be thinking, like, what, is, what, is, what are these Bible verses expect, um, teeing us up to expect? What are these Bible verses kind of, where, what do you come out of them expecting to see? Okay, here we go. Should I hold it? Revelation 1, verse 7. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven. And everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Matthew twenty four fourteen, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world, so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Matthew twenty four six, you will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Matthew 16, verse 28. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Revelation 22, 12 to 13. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Okay, fab. Well done, guys. Very good. Good reading. Clap them. Very good. So I don't know about you, but that, that's a kind of that's a snapshot. That's five verses. There are other examples I could have picked, but that's a snapshot of uh, of the, what the Bible has to say about the end of the world. And I don't know about you, but the bit that slightly confuses me is that you kind of get a strong back vibe that Jesus is coming back really soon. Did anybody else pick up on that vibe? Yeah? Like one of you is nodding. Like there was, there was this vibe that actually it was going to be really, really soon, which I just find really interesting. And like seriously, every now and again, as you're reading your Bibles, you will read, uh, you'll read passages and you'll think, wow, this is actually going to happen like really, really soon. And the reality is that throughout the church's 2,000-year history, pretty much every single generation has had this notion that Jesus is going to be coming back really, really soon. And you actually don't have to Google very far these days to find lots of Christians on the internet who think that as well for this day and age. I'm sure there's a handful of us in this room who have faithfully read our Bibles and have concluded the same thing. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but there we go. Um, so that is uh, just a thing that every single generation 
has thought that, has looked at the world around them, has read their Bibles faithfully and come to that conclusion that Jesus is coming back really, really soon. And the, I guess, slightly awkward, logical follow-on conclusion from that is that every single one of those generations has been wrong. Like, am I the only one for whom that's kind of bothers a little bit? Anybody else find that a bit odd? Yeah, like, what's with that? Like, is that just an embarrassment for the church that we've just so consistently got it wrong over the years? It would certainly be embarrassing if we were to adopt a similar mindset now, wouldn't it? That would be very embarrassing. I'd actually like to suggest that the opposite is true. I actually think that adopting this stance, adopting that mindset, is exactly the point. That this reality that every generation of Christians has believed that that living in the last days is actually exactly what they were meant to believe. That Christians are supposed to live as if Jesus is imminently going to return. So, let me show you a little bit what I mean, if I can. Um, Put your hands up, anybody here who wants to live a life that has zero impact. Anybody here want to live a life where ultimately after you've gone, nobody remembers you? Anybody? Any takers? No. Okay. Okay, hands up. Who wants to live a life that will mean something? A life that will have purpose, to have achieved something of substance, yeah? Um, Or maybe you're in a place where actually life is super difficult for you, where life is a real uphill battle and a struggle just to get through each day. Like, wouldn't you rather know that that struggle was going to be resolved, that that all of that anguish was going to be for something. Like, you'd want that, wouldn't you? I want to know, if you had one week left on planet Earth, you knew you had seven days left, how would you spend your time? What would you do? Get back into those little clusters. You've got one minute and seven days. What would you do with your last seven days on planet Earth? Okie dokie. I want to hear from you guys. So... I'll take this with me, because I'm going to roam the room again. So, what do do we think? We've got seven days left. What are we going to do? Somebody talk to me. (laughs) Um, We would spend time with family and extended family, close friends together. Yeah, very good. Spend time with family, close family, close friends together. Anybody else? Yep. Ours kind of pivoted, is it just us that are seven days left, or is it everyone in the world has seven days, because that kind of tilts it slightly. If it was just us, if it was just me, I would go with family, but I'd go abroad, because I don't want to be cold for the last seven days. Amen, brother. Anybody else? Anyone from over here? Somebody look. Yes. I'd make sure I was reconciled with everyone in my life. You get 20 points. Well done, Tim. Very good. Anybody else? Yes? I would, a feast. <laughs> <laughs> Calories be damned. Yes, eat lots and lots. I'm with you. That's why we're married. <laughs> Very good. Um, so, isn't that interesting and kind of obvious in many ways that if we had limited time left, we would naturally focus on those things which are most important to us. You know, we just heard about feasting, about family and friends. We heard about being reconciled to those that we love, going somewhere warm. Absolutely. Interesting, nobody said, 
if I had seven days left, I'd just go and do my nine to five job. Work is still important. Please go to work. Did you say you'd go to work? Ah, oh, that's quite lovely. You have a great life. Well done. Um, I'm betting, I'm, I've just been proved wrong, but I'm, I'm betting that nobody was thinking about their pension. No? Pensions are very important. These caveats have been added afterwards. Um, I bet nobody was painting the house. Nobody was doing kind of the, the jobs that need doing around the house. Incidentally, this is why I haven't been painting the house, because I'm living out of this theology, so... <laughs> You're welcome. Um, no, we all focused on the things that were most important to us, the essence of what we all believe that life is all about, which is interesting, isn't it? And a useful point and thing to reflect on. But what I think is really interesting is, in, is when you add Jesus into this conversation. Because if we know that we're going to get like annihilated by a meteor in a week's time, then fair play, let's party like it's 1999. But if Jesus is coming back, and if, if Jesus is coming back to do, as we read just then, to bring a reward with him, to repay all people according to their deeds, that's suddenly a very different conversation, isn't it? It's a very, very different conversation. And let's be really, really clear about what that means, because I picked a translation that is not very clear. That Jesus is coming back to bring justice to the world. Jesus is coming back to reward those who have lived for him, who have pursued love, justice, and peace in their lives. And he's coming back to challenge and hold accountable those who have lived unjustly, who have pursued greed and selfishness. Jesus is not just coming over to have a cup of tea, he's coming over to bring justice. And Christians believe that this current age that we're living in will come to an end when Jesus comes back, and that when he does, he's going to bring like a moment of great reckoning with him, that we will all be held accountable for our lives and how we've spent them. So how have we spent our lives? How have we lived? Have we pursued love and justice and peace? Or have we pursued selfish gain and greed and strife? Have we lived a life which has been for others? Or have we lived a life of greed for ourselves? Now, I'm really aware at this stage that there's a handful of us in the room who have switched off. And that is totally fair. Because I know that a handful of us in the room haven't made up our minds about Jesus yet. We're not even sure if he's real or not. So frankly, the idea of him kind of cloud surfing in to wrap this all up is wonderfully theoretical and totally pointless. But I would suggest that for all of us, no matter how we think about Jesus at the moment, whether we think he's real or not, whether we've submitted our lives to him and said yes to him or not, I think there's real benefit from us reflecting on these ideas. The idea that one day, if not the world, our lives will end that all of us have identified a really strong desire that our lives count, to, that our lives should matter, that our lives should have some kind of a legacy, that all of us, I hope, want to live lives as loving, peaceful people who want to do right by others. And that idea that the world or our lives might end soon, that brings focus to our lives, doesn't it? And what's really, really important. And that's kind of where I want to leave it today. I want to leave us at this kind of unresolved moment of tension and with a little question. What would it look like if you were to live as if Jesus was coming back next week or tomorrow? How would you focus and refocus your life 
if you knew that imminently you would be standing before Jesus and being asked to give an account of how you'd spent your life? I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to our hearts because our Bibles tell us that the Holy Spirit comes and and speaks to us and convicts us of stuff on the inside. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and we're going to sit, we're going to have a moment of reflection and I just encourage you to listen to the thoughts that come up in your heart and in your mind and to just reflect upon them. So you might want to close your eyes, you might want to pop your hands out if if you feel comfortable to. And I'm just going to say, come, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Come and convict us. Come and challenge us. Come, Holy Spirit. Cool. Sorry to interrupt you. This is a classic example of something that I've written this week and have been 100% convicted of whilst I was writing it. Anybody else feeling a little bit challenged? Yeah, some nods. So I imagine a whole load of us would have had some thoughts about telling our friends and neighbours, or frankly anybody with a pulse, about the hope that we found in Jesus and the unbelievable love and compassion that he has towards them. You know, not to kind of fear them into some kind of a a decision about upcoming judgment, but from a desire for them to know the deep love of God the Father. I imagine a whole load of us would have been exactly in Tim's position, where we would have been looking to identify the people in our lives that we want to see reconciliation with, members of our family and friends that we know that we're, we're at odds with. Or perhaps you're like me and you gravitate, gravitate towards pithy little Bible uh, statements that really sum up and get your hands underneath um, what God wants. What does he want to see in the world? And if you're thinking of getting a Christian tattoo, this is a really good one to get. You'll find it in Micah chapter 6 verse 8 and it says this, the Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you, to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And I would suggest that this posture that I've led us into today is exactly the posture that we're encouraged to hold as followers of Jesus. This posture that Jesus could come back any second, that we live to, need to live as if time is short, and that those three things that God expects, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly, should be at the forefront of our imagination when we're thinking about how we should live in the world. That we need to focus on the things which are important, or more so, the things which have eternal significance. Because the Bible doesn't tell us to expect a meteor, it tells us to expect a new earth where life continues. And where things that we do in this life echo for eternity. How would your life look different if you lived like that? If you lived as if Jesus was going to be here in the next few days? And what's holding you back from living like that right now? So that's what we're going to spend the remaining time that we have discussing. And what I want us to do is to just kick about those two questions. How would your life look different if you felt like Jesus was going to be back any minute? And what's holding you back from living like that right now? 
So particularly focus on the second half. What's holding you back? Be as honest as you feel comfortable being in your little groups. And if it's appropriate to do so, take some time to pray for each other. If you're a member of Gloucester Vineyard Church, this is a moment where you are uh, in a role of hosting everybody else. So if you feel like it's a moment when we could pray for one another, then you're right. Go for it. Um, So let's reform into those little groups. In a minute, I'm going to invite Lauren to come up, who's going to kind of help me to close things off neatly. But I do encourage you to get together, have as honest a conversation as you feel comfortable doing, and pray for each other. What's holding you back? Go for it.